welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always in person by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Hey, guys. And not so very much in person because of a COVID exposure and because he's a socially responsible person, my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. I'm half vaccinated and twice exposed, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) waiting for that second dose the sweet sweet day um where matthew and sarah kate are gonna have freedom well it felt like a shot in the arm of the nfl season this new league year um has been fantastic just to get nfl football again back on the map back on the radar um so the browns did a ton of things and not any of them were bad I feel pretty pleased about how the beginning of this league year has gone. Um, Michael, uh, tell me what you are most excited about right now in this very moment. The patience that I'm seeing from our front office. Um, I mean, I knew there was going to be lots of opportunity in this. Last time we recorded, we talked about, like, it it feels like we're just going to learn a lot about our front office um, through how they handle this free agency period and I'm learning that they are every bit as smart and patient and measured and calculated as I hoped and thought that they might be. I mean, the deals that we're seeing are really reasonable. They're not overpaying for anyone. They're meeting needs, you know, so they are like, they are using free agency to fill holes, uh, but they are not hamstringing us into the future by kind of swinging like the New York giants are right now or or the Patriots or the Patriots, (laughs) you know, some of the, the, the perceived winners of free agency in the moment are the people who pay the most for the big name players. And those long-term are pretty much never the true winners of free agency. And so I feel like we're just being smart about it. And, um, it's exciting to see. It's also exciting to see, the fact that it seems like players want to come to the Browns, like that we're not having to claw and fight um, just to get somebody to talk to us. Like we don't have to pay the extra that we probably used to a few years ago to get a free agent to come because we've demonstrated competence um, all the way across the board. We're not, we're not the Texans. So (laughs) how fast they have fallen. It's sad to be a Texans fan. No, it is, it is great to have that stability, uh, or I think it's a product of stability, um, having people want to come, um, because you get the, the same characters in the locker room, people who, uh, players that other players want to play with, um, and avoiding that turnover that we've had from years past is, goes a long way in building a roster long term. Yeah, because when there's stability in the front office, they don't feel like they have to prove themselves year after year after year. Well, it's true. Like when you think about the teams that have cap space to spend, it's not all that common, honestly, for there to be a lot of stability within those organizations because they're like rebuilding and like have a new um, regime in place. And so it is kind of rare to kind of be in the situation the Browns are in. I guess the Colts are in a pretty similar situation um, as well, but they're in a different situation it's a defined window (laughs) yeah you you know like the browns probably won't have you know a lot of extra wiggle room in the coming off seasons to be honest i mean depending on how they choose to play things but by the time we start re-signing some of our players it's going to be a challenge to like kind of go after whoever we want on the free agent market that these times are coming to an end um, as you start to contend, you have players that are going to eat up some of that cap space and we're not going to kind of be in this same situation going forward. So, yeah, it's not going to be nearly as exciting. I remember, uh, like on the second day of free agency, I saw a list after a bunch of signings had already come through. I saw a list of, uh, teams that had yet to sign a free agent and it was like all of the good teams. Yeah. It's true. Like, oh yeah that's that's actually how that works yeah all right let's highlight some yeah. of them yeah um, let's highlight. so i'll go through uh if we're talking about highlights let's start at the top give the people what they want to hear so john johnson the third safety from the rams on a three-year deal 33.75 million dollars 
position of need. 24 million of that's guaranteed. Basically, there's a lot of different ways from the, the understanding I have thus far of this deal is that if we want to, we can get out of it after two years without too much damage. There's like a multiple options built into this particular deal. And so it's a John Bear or a uh, Andrew Barry and Paul D. Podesta special for sure. Um, there's a lot of creativity built into it. I think if they do play out those two years um, and we get to the end, Matthew, I think you were saying that his contract is going to count like 17 million against the cap in the third year. If, if yeah, he, if 17, he plays that year. 17.1 million is his cap hit in 2023. And so it seems pretty unlikely that he'd be like just a three year player for the Browns. It's probably like two and out or two plus an extension, you know, to like kind of spread that hit out a little bit further. But John Johnson is a super young player, incredibly intelligent dude. Apparently called all of the plays for the Los Angeles Rams last year. The best secondary in the league. And, I mean, can kind of do it all. A Swiss Army knife when it comes to the safety position. Super intelligent. Like, really good situation, I feel like, for a guy like Grant Delpit to, like, come in and, like, play next to. You know, he, early in his career, you know, he's played his whole career for the Rams, played with Eric Weddle, and it seems like he learned a whole lot from Eric Weddle and then kind of took the torch when Weddle, um, you know, left. And so I, I just think there's a lot to like about this pick. I mean, if you looked at the safety market, Matthew and I talked about it on the podcast, you know, last time we recorded, he was definitely one of the names that we pulled up. I wasn't so sure if we were going to actually go there. And part of what I was concerned about was – the expense and how much it was going to cost for us to go after one of the top safeties. And I didn't know if that made a ton of sense at the safety position. But if you had told me that we could get him in the $11 million per year range, I would have been like, absolutely. I I would do that. So I feel like the value here is just really, really solid. Uh, And so hard to complain. It's also crazy to see everybody saying that it's such a good value deal and (laughs) that like the Browns made a home run with this one, which is just like so nice. So nice to read. Well, and it's great. The there's, there's value in it. Like normally when some of these guys hit um, the free agent market, if they're a a top five, top 10 safety or at any position, it's set the market. Then like they set the new asset runs, even if they're not the best, safety um in the whole league they get paid like the best safety in the whole league i'm correct me if i'm wrong i think john johnson's salary next year or the average annual value of this contract is like the 12th highest safety contract in the i league. think it's the eighth it's like around the top 10 like right around in that in that range but yes okay but still that's great to, to be able to get a player like this that can help us um, at the top of his position and not have to pay him or not have to reset the market to get him. Oh yeah. It's phenomenal. The value. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just excited about our, like a positional weakness of our team throughout the entire last season. Um, watching what Andrew Sandejo did week after week after week. And then to think about next year, potentially, um, depending on what happens with Grant Delpit coming back from a really, really difficult injury to recover from in the Achilles. Um, I mean, I feel really good about John Johnson, Delpit, and Ronnie Harrison as well back there in a defense that's gonna that wants to roll out multiple safeties. Um, Where do we think they're all going to line up? Is are we going to keep John Johnson away from the line of scrimmage in, a, in the Andrew Sadejo kind of deep role? Or is it going to look different because we've got more interchangeable parts that kind of yeah, it's makes a, it it's a, it's less a good obvious. question. I don't, I don't know where everybody lines up. Um, and I honestly, I'm, I'm just excited to have people to interchange um, through um, and have some cushion there at the safety position. Um, but I'm, I'm just as excited about Ronnie Harrison as I am about the rest of them. I mean, like I want to see Delpit out on the field, but uh, Ronnie Harrison is like the bright spot of what happened to us last season. I'm so stoked to have him get a couple more games under his belt, another year under his belt and see what he becomes. 
Well, and hopefully he can he can stay healthy. I know he, he was probably just as frustrated as anybody, um, missing time with the shoulder injury, and then it took him a while. If we acquired him right before the season started, um, and so without an off season, and then coming in a couple days before the the new season starts, it took him a couple games to get up to speed to actually even see the field. Yeah. Um, so getting just a full season um, on, under him, you know, um, it's going to take these guys, I think, a minute. Neither of these or none of our top three safeties have ever played together. Um, they've never been on the same field together. So I think that bit of communication on the back end is probably going to take a little while, which is going to be frustrating because we all love and will assume as soon as week one comes around that, we are the finished product yeah. of the 2021 Cleveland Browns. Yeah, especially in a position group like secondary that requires a lot of chemistry. And it'll take a while. That's a good point. I'm excited, though, to know, just hear everybody talk about how smart John Johnson is. And like to know that like he picked up a whole new defensive system. They switched last offseason you know, from um, the Wade Phillips system to the Brandon Staley system that put a whole lot more on John Johnson. My understanding is that he had to make lots of like decisions in the moment than you typically ask a safety to make. I don't know the particular ins and outs of all of it, but it was a very, very difficult system to run from what I understand, um, particularly taxing on the safeties and all new to him. And he like excelled in that particular um, role. And so I, am not so worried about him, you know, coming in and having to learn, learn a new system and like get up to speed. I think he's probably going to be just fine. Yeah. The Rams had the number two pass defense in the league um, last year. And John Johnson was a big part of that. And we'll get to another guy who's a big part of that. Yeah. No, um, let's hit it. When you, when, also you, here. when you struggle on the secondary, um, why not just sign, the people away from their team who's doing it really well. So we got John Johnson and we also got Troy Hill, another cornerback out of Los Angeles. Um, so this Troy Hill deal is also really interesting. Um, one of you two, tell me a little bit about how you saw that be structured and what you like about that. So when it was announced, it was a four year, $24 million deal, but, um, I'm sure a lot of you know that when these deals get announced, the terms are all coming almost entirely directly from the agents that negotiated the deals. And um, so it's kind of the maximum value. And then over time, we start to understand the like finer details of the deals. And it's normally less guaranteed money than that. And um, there's always um, fine print, if you will. To each of these deals and what we found out today actually on the troy hill deal is that all that's guaranteed is one year um it is not really a four-year deal um it but all that's guaranteed is one year at four and a half million dollars and so it seems pretty likely that it'll end up being a two-year deal for about nine million dollars but the last two years are like our void years that'll spread out some of the signing bonus um highly unlikely that Troy Hill will um, play under this contract beyond two years. Um, and that probably makes a lot of sense because he's actually going to well, be 30 by the time the season starts. So he actually can't play out this contract beyond two years as is. Oh, it's the, good, yeah. The good last point. two years automatically void if he's on the roster uh, on the fifth league day. So there's, there's an automatic poison pill which makes it even funnier that it ever gets announced as a four-year deal. Yeah. It, it, it quite literally couldn't be. Well, I saw it as four years and $24 million, and he's a slot corner, and so and for some reason that position is just really depressed from an earnings standpoint. Um, and so I was really surprised because it's not like – I think a lot of people think he is one of the best, if not the best, you know, slot corner on the market, but he's not a big name. And there's not a ton of money being thrown around in this free agency. Like the top of the market, like Shaq Barrett didn't hit the $20 million threshold. You know, there's like a lot of guys at the top of their positions aren't resetting the market across the board because of, you know, where the salary cap is. And I was like pretty confused by the fact that we were going to be given a guy 
six million dollars a year to be our slot corner and lo and behold we weren't giving anyone six million dollars a year to be our slot corner it's very funny i am surprised that we got him for as cheap as we did though i thought there would be a bigger market for him out there um and maybe this goes back to what we were saying that cleveland can now be a destination in in these guys minds um i think if you want to go somewhere and play it looks like a pretty darn good opportunity less than the average than the like annual value of like the four and a half million i'm surprised that there weren't more there's not more guarantees on it you know what i mean i would have thought that a guy that's like in his going into his age 30 season you would think you would want to get squeeze out a handful of years of you know guaranteed money i mean he hasn't made a ton of money like over the course of his career this is probably like his best chance to kind of cash in um that's the part that's yeah, most interesting I mean, he to was me. he was undrafted he was undrafted and he was old um to begin with coming out of coming out of oregon um it's part of the reason why he's old now this is only his uh, his he's been floating around on one and two year deals um and so i kind of feel bad for him i wish he could settle in and feel established for in one spot for longer than that yeah another Another guy that's floating around on one and two deals is Richard Higgins, who we, um, I think, to the delight of every Browns fan, um, I, I have yet to meet a Browns fan that doesn't like Richard Higgins. Um, and they re signed him to a one year deal, a little over $2 million, a significant jump over what he made last year, but still only a one year deal for the guy that was probably our best overall wide receiver last year on the on the Browns um over the course of the whole season and obviously chemistry with Baker everybody knows like that that is there pretty interesting move I think everybody wanted this to be the case I think the Browns front office were knew that there probably wasn't going to be the craziest market and they were really cautious about not overspending but at the end of the day Rashard Higgins comes back on a pretty palatable one-year deal. What do you think this means yeah. for him and our wide receiver position like into the future? Well, I think I'm just surprised that there wasn't a bigger market for him first. Um, but I think it makes sense for him to come back on a one-year deal um, from his perspective. If the market's not there right now, um, he's been betting on himself. Now is the worst time. To, to take a long-term deal because the salary cap's so repressed. Um, unless somebody's willing to pay you good money in the future and get guarantees, which seems unlikely for a guy in Higgins' situation. Um, the receiver room is suddenly crowded, especially when you think of um, kind of the, maybe the skill sets we need to bring back in. It's super um, crowded. We, it's weird. I don't know what we're going to do. Because we re-signed JoJo Natson as well, which I don't think there's really any guarantees there. We can move on from him if we don't want to keep him on the roster. And Kadero Hodge is tendered, so none of that's guaranteed. So we could um, move on from him or, or and I mean, we beat him like a else. dead horse, but the, the bloated contracts that were given both OBJ and Jarvis. OBJ and Jarvis, and then Richard Higgins, um, DPJ. DPJ. And then you've which got Kadero Hodge. And JoJo Natson, I mean, that's six players right there, and I fully expect them to draft a wide receiver. I do too, but from like a from a future roster planning, like and composition of that room for how important wide receivers are, like I don't think they can get away with not drafting a wide receiver. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and I think it needs to be a, a field stretcher, which is. Um, Jojo Natson was kind of that like speed threat wide receiver early on in the season until he until he left with a knee injury. Yeah, but so I don't even know if they viewed if he's him. able to fill that role. I'm curious if they viewed him as that from like a field stretching standpoint. I felt like they were using him more like horizontally than vertically, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I remember him coming around on a lot of pre-snap motions, end arounds, um, kind of at the snap to give the defense something else to look at. So how many, how many wide receivers does a team normally take? Cause seven seems like a lot. Sorry, no, Ron, then. You wouldn't keep seven hardly at all. 
Like some teams, yeah, like Cadero, six. you know, it's Cadero. like six is pretty common in today's NFL. But years, a few years ago, it was five was more was pretty common. Yeah. That's so super, okay, so that's 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 super interesting. But that's not the re-signing that gets me most excited. Well, I want to make one comment about Go the ahead. wide receiver piece going forward. We're just building anticipation. Go ahead. What do you think the chances are? I heard somebody else say this this week. And I think this is somewhat reasonable. And I like this idea. Rashard Higgins is back on a one-year deal. You pretty much have no dead money if you move on from Jarvis Landry next offseason. It's probably hard to restructure Landry like right now, although I would love to see that happen. Why is that hard? Just I think there's just a lot of like hair on it and like dynamics at play it's a pretty big dead cap hit if we actually move on from him so you like if you're bluffing like i feel like if you go to restructure a guy's contract and like lower their their salary salary. you've got to be able to walk away and i don't think the browns are really in position to be able to walk away and jarvis is a that's fair and jarvis is a big personality in the locker room and you know you don't want to like risk that necessarily by like trying to make him go back and if he pushes back it just kind of gets ugly real quick if you're not actually going to move on from him you know and so I mean, it's only a three million dollar hit but yeah um at any rate moving on from jarvis and letting him kind of take the middle of the field um and not letting him letting um higgins. richard higgins take the middle of the field position next year at a much lesser rate i mean you give Higgins a little bump from what he's got now guarantee a few more years and like you're in a really solid spot and I don't great about Higgins and OBJ and I don't think you're getting a huge drop off necessarily in production from what you're getting from from Landry right now yeah no I mean I think he'd be the perfect replacement with with this current um with this current team that is if we if this team moves on from Landry next offseason. I don't, I don't, that free just or wide receiver so room hard. is just so crowded. I'm not writing anything off because something has to be done. And short of just letting Kaderil Hodge go and I think we can just like Jojo Madsen, like that could be the simplest thing, but I don't know. Right now, Kaderil Hodge is the best. Well, aside from OBJ, Kaderil Hodge is the best deep threat we have. Correct. I mean, he's the fast. He's the fast like receiver with any size that's going to threaten vertically. Um, so I'm interested. I think that we'll know a lot more about whose spot is at uh, at risk once the draft comes and goes, and whatever they decide. What to do, type of decide. wide receiver they draft? Yeah, for sure. Um, it just it's going to be ugly whenever we do inevitably next year move on from Jarvis. Right? Because like in what world do you think we pay Jarvis all that money next year? I don't know that we should pay it this year. So Yeah. I, I, it's it's hard to say because I'm with Michael. I didn't think that we and I still don't think that we're gonna go into this year with the full fifteen point five or sixteen point two or whatever it is that we're paying him. Oh, it's just hard. The cap hits fourteen point seven. It's not quite as high as you're uh, alluding to, but it's significant. It's so high. Um, all right. Well, I wanted to talk about my favorite re-signing of this period, and that's your boy, Cody, Cody Parkey. Parkey. <laughs> your guy and mine. Cody's coming back. Run how, it back how, another how do you feel year. About that, man, A one-year yeah. deal. Run it back. Give the kicker some security. Let him know he's safe. Let's make it a two-year deal. Not too safe. You don't want him to be too safe. <laughs> no, I think you do. I think you do want him to feel pretty safe. Kicker is one of the most high-stress positions, and we are the quickest to pull the trigger on kickers when they are already terrified. Let's give them every ease. We don't pay them a ton of money. Let's unburden their minds. So well, Matthew, that's what—that's one of the things I find interesting about the Cody Parker deal is there's not much guaranteed money. Yeah, we can move on from Cody Parker. Like, I think if we like, bring like it's in like a one point two million camp. dollar deal or something, but it's only like two hundred thousand guaranteed. Yeah, if we so, bring in another leg in camp, you know, an undrafted, you know, free agent kicker to compete, 
Um, yeah, can... don't don't we have that guy Matt McCrane on the roster already um, to be that to be that camp kicker? Um, I was I was kind of surprised. I I thought Cody Parkey ended up being pretty good last year for uh, a last minute, you know, off the street option, but his leg strength is so limited. I felt like there were times where that hurt us where it, yeah, maybe we, maybe we didn't want to go for it or even like late in game situations where it's like, Oh shit, we need to get eight extra yards because we have Cody Parkey as our kicker instead of, I thought you uh, love somebody that, though, who might Matthew. be a threat. Don't you want us to go for it every time, no matter what? Well, no, no, I do, but like not late in games. If you've got a, yeah. a like game winning drive situation or, you know, I just, I just think that, Maybe the front office is maybe the front office is just forcing the coaching staff's hand. It's like a real money ball situation (laughs) again. It's like he can't kick it more than forty five yards, so you must go for it every time. (laughs) That's a Carlos Hyde Nick Chubb situation when Hugh Jackson would would not play Nick Chubb, so John Dorsey traded Carlos Hyde. Oh, that's hilarious. Um, Yeah, no, I'm 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 happy with I was happy with Cody last year. I look forward to being happy with him again. Um, it is frustrating, though, his, his lack of leg. Um, and I don't necessarily see him as our kicker for the long term. But um, I'm totally fine with it. And then the other re-signing was, notable re-signing was Malcolm Smith. Michael, are you surprised that we brought Malcolm Smith back? Um, doesn't look like we're going to bring B.J. Goodson back. I figured at least one of those veteran linebackers would come back. I mean, Malcolm Smith is cheap, and he was solid. Yeah, it's the like veteran minimum. It's like one point two million, I think. I do think it's a little bit interesting. I think you have a little bit more of um, a runway where you've like you've got enough years. You know what Malcolm Smith is. I think if I'm the Browns front office and I saw what BJ Goodson did last year, I'm wondering if he's able to repeat repeat that performance going forward. Yeah. And so I think there's a little bit of that. But they're clearly picking like the linebacker core is going to be pieced together. It's they're not going to hit any home runs with any of the individual players. Like that is clearly a position of less value in Joe Joe Woods's defense and we're not going to overspend in that in that spot. And so it was always going to be a, there's going to be a cast of characters there to fill particular roles. I am I I will say though, I probably expected it to be BJ Goodson to be the guy to come back before Malcolm Smith, but um I think Malcolm Smith's a little cheaper and I think that they really liked Anthony Walker for some reason. They do. Yeah, yeah. And everyone that seems to have played with Anthony Walker really likes Anthony Walker. Um, And so that's going to be an interesting thing to look at. You know, Anthony Walker from the Colts, for those who uh, maybe don't know who we're talking about, uh, but played, you know, there alongside Darius Leonard and is really (laughs) – is going to directly fill the B.J. Goodson role. Like he is a run-stopping, like, hole plugger that is – very well thought of like a great leader in the locker room. You see, if you saw anything on social media, once Anthony Walker signed with the Browns, the Colts were just all raving about how great this guy is. Here's Darius Leonard's quote about Anthony Walker. Amazing player. Man does everything the right way. It sucks that he's leaving, but Cleveland's gaining a dog. He's a great leader. He's going to lead your defense to be great. I will truly miss him. I give a lot of credit for my success to him. I wouldn't be me without him. I mean, that's high praise. That's about as good as it gets from one of the best linebackers in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, it's hard to really argue with that particular deal too much once you see how great of a dude he's likely to be in the locker room. Um, it does feel like we paid a little bit more for Anthony Walker than we probably had to, but it's a one-year deal for a guy that's like super young, that highly thought of. Um it's interesting to me that that's the deal that he took, you know? Well, that that's interesting to me, but I mean, would you rather have Anthony Walker or Jared Davis? Like 
Jared Davis also signed a one-year deal. He signed with the Jets, right? It was like one one year, seven point five million or something stupid. Oh, good gracious! Yeah, no, I'd rather have this Anthony Walker guy. Fella. Yeah, no doubt. I'd, I'd probably take Anthony Walker straight up based on their uh, career production thus far. Um, much less pain and less. Um, I do think this front office is really um, testing the limit of the don't invest in linebacker philosophy. Uh, if we're bringing back Malcolm Smith for the veterans minimum, um, instead of veterans minimum plus a tiny little bit that it would take to bring back BJ Goodson. There's but gotta I be a reason. Had, I, I want to see the math targeted ahead of time. I want to see the math behind the linebackers don't mean shit. Like, like there, there has to be some juicy there. I think it's a lot about the scheme that Joe Woods yeah, plays. No, that, that I, I think sense. that's like a like the biggest driving factor here. Um, and you've got to give somewhere. And like you know, if there is a place where you can kind of pick and choose, like that kind of makes makes some sense. You go heavier on the secondary and lighter on the lighter on the linebackers. I I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, and if you have a good defensive line it can make up for a lot um from your linebacker position which is a another direction that the browns went um in free agency so we signed tack mckinley to a one-year four million and then malik jackson from the eagles one year 4.5 million um i forgot about malik jackson already yeah it happened like two days ago yeah we signed that him might be it excited. just right there there you go get excited um so one of the things we've talked about all the time is how important defensive line depth is. And with the, um, we, we definitely need defensive ends. Um, and so, uh, who are you more excited about, um, between those two, um, Malik or Tack? I'll go first. Um, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I think I know what Malik Jackson can do. So I'm, I'm more excited to see what we can do with Tack McKinley. Um, yeah. And I want to know, I want to know what role he was, he was signed on to be. I, I know that there's a lot of pass rush options out there on the market and even more in the draft. So I think he gives us just the flexibility where if he, if he has to start because there, we don't end up filling that the rest of that position group out. Um, great. He could do it. Maybe, maybe not quite to the level that we've come to expect from Olivia Vernon, but he brings something, something to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can also be the third rusher off the bench, you know, and just in pass, pass rush, rush situations situation. is great. And he'd excel at that. Mm-hmm. So I think he just gives us kind of that roster building flexibility. That's going to be really helpful. Yeah. I'm looking um, forward to that. What the thing you, I'm most excited about is like it was clear the Browns really wanted to get uh, an edge to make a difference, and they stuck to their guns and didn't overspend on any of these guys. They like knew what their value, like where they had evaluated all of them, and they all came in real high. That was the one position that kind of flew off the shelves, if you will, at the like start of free agency. I mean, Romeo Aquara signed for you know, $13 million per year with the lions. And he was that set the table for it because everybody's expecting him to be cheap. Yeah. That he was like going to be kind of the value guy. Right. Yeah. And everything was just kind of pretty crazy. I mean, even going back a few weeks to JJ Watt and the Browns were like definitely in that, you know, in that race, but didn't overspend. They've been patient and let it come to them. And there's still guys in the market that we can add that are, you know, potentially going to make a huge difference. And there's not a ton of money left out there for people to spend necessarily. So like if they want to go pay for Jadavian Clowney, they can do that if they feel good about his medicals and those sort of things. All of these options are still on the table. And I don't think we have to overspend in order to get some like good production there. Getting attack well, McKinley and somebody else like, my my pick that I would love to see is Carlos Dunlap. If you get Carlos Dunlap in there as like another like rotational like edge, like I love the value of a Carlos Dunlap for ten million dollars this year or something like that, you know, and Tack McKinley for four. That's fourteen 
and you've got like those two guys that are rotating in there on the other side of Miles Garrett, like to me, that's way better than throwing all your eggs in one basket with one Romeo Aquara or whatever at you know the fourteen million dollar range or Trey Hendrickson, yeah. right? So I I, I yeah. am looking for them to make that one last move. That's really the one last thing that I like semi expect them to do um, on the free agent market is to si- sign another edge player um, to, to kind of share time with tech McKinley. Well, that's one of the, that's one of the um, kind of roster slots that we can, we can just add somebody and not have to make a corresponding move to, to free up playing time or whatnot. I'm kind of interested to just see how it plays out. Like, Malik Jackson at this point in his career is really similar in style of play and positioning to Sheldon Richardson. They're very duplicative. So I'm really interested to see, are we playing these guys together? Does one, does Jackson back up Richardson? Um, Malik Jackson played on a defense with Joe Woods, but at that point in Malik Jackson's career, he was a defensive end. So, is he going to be playing more like big defensive end? Is that is is maybe he the kind of like other half to the Tack McKinley signing, where they feel like they can go big and then they can go kind of smaller with Tack McKinley? I don't know. They just seem very duplicative, and they don't. I would be worried if I was Sheldon Richardson seeing Malik Jackson be signed. So. It is interesting. We definitely needed depth on the interior of the defensive line, but he's not a he's not a one tech or like a nose tackle in any way. We only the only like nose that we have right now is Andrew Billings. So I kind of expected if we were going to add some depth at defensive tackle, it was going to be there. It I do wonder if they think Jordan Elliott can play a little bit more of the one. Um and and back maybe up that that'd spot. be great. He's big. I mean he's. 310 or 315 pounds or something like that. Yeah. And bring Malik into three tech, five tech situation. Is, you know, in a rotation yeah. with Sheldon. And anyways, but I think what it might do more than anything is give the Browns leverage for lowering that cap hit for Sheldon Richardson this year. I mean, I fully expect them to have the same conversation with Sheldon um, as they did with Olivier Vernon last year and bring that number down by two or $3 million right now. Sheldon Richardson is the third most expensive player against the cap for the Cleveland Browns in 2021. Yeah. I, I just wonder about having those. I don't know. It is the NFL. I guess you could just cut him at the end of the day, but you have to be willing to do that. Um, I don't, I just wonder if it's a good precedent to set to, as a team to be like, Oh, you're the team that like squeezes money out, out of its vets contracts. Like, but when the contract doesn't have any sort know. of guaranteed money and if he goes out, that's on kind the, of assumed. Yeah. He, yeah. It's assumed. Cause if he goes out on the open market, he's not going to get anywhere near $13 million. Especially this year. Yeah. No, but nobody's paying $13 he's million. He's not going to get a, $13 million. Tackle. Yeah. So do you want to stay here and play on this Browns team, or do you want to go like see what you can get out in the open market? Yeah, go and, play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and that's not the like Texans. you don't have to have that conversation in a way. It wasn't this front office that signed him to that deal, so yeah. it's like, hey, we just signed a guy that really has similar like traits in production as you for a third of the cost of what you will cost us. Do you think they ever actually say that? I mean, but like, <laughs> that's like. You know, you no, they don't say that. But like, I hope that's they bring really... them both in the room and use Malik as like a line. Look at Malik; he does the same thing you do. He's so much cheaper. No, it's really, like I want you to look at him. Look him in the eyes. Sparks and Rick. Like say thank you to Malik board. for saving the company money. <laughs> thank you, Malik. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, oh man, that would, that would yeah, that would be a bad. Um, <laughs> That'd be a bad look. Um, yeah, bad look. That's. So uh, but you know that message is being sent over to Richardson through this whole thing. I mean, it's they're about the same age. They play the same position. Their production's similar. Their athletic traits are similar. Um, 
four and a half million versus thirteen. It's so if if they have that conversation with Richardson, they they there's other players on the roster that need to have that conversation too. Richardson's so, the most obvious one because his is he has no guaranteed money on this on this year. Yeah, but Jarvis only has three million. So um, the 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 delta is significant still. Well, it is interesting to me when we're talking about defensive line signings and defensive line depth signings. Someone like Malik Jackson that can um, reasonably play in a couple of different slots and be a high production guy. Um, we talk about that all the time on offensive line. Depth is someone that can like rotate and play a couple of different places as a depth guy. Um, do you think that factors in in any way on on the defense? We saw Sheldon had to play defensive end yeah, a little bit last exactly. year and was like, like really valuable. It's nice to have people that can do both, play def- DT and D end. In like you can't play one, but you can play three. You can play five. Yeah, no, I think that's I, that's one of the things that I, I like a lot about it. I think that's great. Um, gives you the the flexibility. Um, all right. Well, we talked about all our signings. Um, yeah, I mean, I mentioned who I like. I think defensive end is the one last spot that I feel like we're gonna like that I would expect to see our front office fill with a, any significant player or name. Are there any other positions or particular players that are out there that you think that we might be targeting in the coming weeks? I think we need a corner, um, and we're kind of we're kind of flexible. Where it probably needs to be an outside corner, and then probably somebody that we like a little bit, but you're not bringing it at a number that they have to play um, because. Greedy Williams, who knows what he's able to contribute next year. Um, the good thing with Troy Hill is he's a great slot corner, but he can play the outside too. Um, but we don't have a ton of corners outside of now uh, Troy Hill and um, Denzel Ward. So we need bodies there. And I just kind of hesitate to go into the draft needing to fill like a high contributing role anywhere but much less a position like corner. So who would you, who would you have us target at this point? Like if you had to pick somebody that you would want the Browns to sign at this point in free agency, who would it be at corner? Um, I would love to bring in somebody who's got some experience, uh, the outside corner, uh, like AJ Bouye. He's suspended for the first, uh, first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so he should be cheap. He should be a, probably a one-year deal, prove it deal type situation. Um, if he plays great, if he doesn't, oh well. But he can come in and approve that position immediately. Yeah. Uh, yeah those are those are kind of like my two positions like i I feel like we made a declarative statement on offense that uh we are good offensively like we're pleased with our roster and we're not going to make a ton of moves there and it's all focused on defense and i think that's probably going to continue except for some depth signings like wide or draft picks like wide receiver um and so i do i i agree i think we need another corner um I would also take um, like somebody like I don't I don't know it depends on the value though of Jadavion Clowney um, and like if our front office wanted to sign Jadavion Clowney then I would want Jadavion Clowney <laughs> but like if if not then I'm fine with it um, but if they made that decision then I would be really amped I would be stoked um, based on what I've seen throughout the the rest honestly if we could get Richard Sherman at like a decent dollar amount that would that i would mean i would be stoked about that except i don't think richard sherman fits what we're trying to do Um, he's not gonna be he's not gonna be playing press man i mean he's like a drop cover three zone corner that's that's the only defenses he's ever played in so i think that likelihood that we bring richard sherman to the browns is close to zero at this point well, that's a fair point. What about like the name that's been thrown around a little bit is um, Gary and Conley? 
as a I'd be fine. I'd be fine with that. Just as a high upside flyer, you know, who you don't really care if he doesn't have to play or not. Yeah, I mean, if we're not investing a whole lot of um, capital in in a player, having somebody with a little high upside that was, you know, a former first round pick, yeah, um, seems to make a little bit of sense. Has some connection with your star in that position group. Um. Anyways, I, I think there's a handful of players out there that could. Make and some and sense. you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong bringing in a Buckeye. You know. Sell some extra tickets. <laughs> yeah, that's what the fans always want. Did, always uh, want to see their Buckeye. What I'm actually more concerned about at this point is which wide receiver the Ravens are going to get and how cheap it's going to be. That is bothersome to me. Which which wide receivers are still out there that you're worried about? Um, well, I mean, there's like Sammy Watkins, right? T.Y. Hilton. Um, I don't want them to get T.Y. Hilton. Uh, what is uh, injury from injury guy from the Texans? What's his name? Will Fuller. He got Will, yeah, Fuller. Will Fuller. He got signed with the Dolphins. Okay. So the bringing up wide receiver and the Ravens, they were trying to get Juju. They offered him more money than the Steelers did. So did the Chiefs offered him more money. And Juju Smith-Schuster decided to go back on a one-year deal to the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster is only like 24 years old. Like I think he just didn't want to move. (laughs) He's like, I only have a bicycle. I don't have a car. How am I going to move my things? My friends are here. Like, I like for real. Is there a chance he just didn't want to move? I don't know what he was thinking because, like, if you're gonna take a one-year deal and you want to like enhance your value for the next deal, go I to think a he made Super the Bowl worst, contender. I think he made the worst possible choice. Like, he would have got more targets if he'd gone to Baltimore. He would have gotten more visibility if he'd gone to Kansas City and would have gotten utilized at to the best possible degree. Imagine if they replaced Sammy Watkins with Juju Smith-Schuster. That'd be so much better. It'd be so good for him. And it, it, But this situation is probably the best-case scenario for the Cleveland Browns because now he's not on the Ravens or the Chiefs, and he's on a team with a dying Ben Roethlisberger. And well, and if the, if the details of that contract that I've seen are correct, his cap hit's only like $1.8 million this year, but it's an $8 million deal. Yeah, it's like that he's getting. A bunch of dead so it's going to be a five point four million dollar cap hit or something like that next year on the Steelers cap, which is already eating about a ten million dollar hit on Ben Roethlisberger, even if he's not going to be there. What about Melvin Ingram? I would love Melvin Ingram. I like on Melvin like a two Ingram. year on like a two year deal. Yeah, no, or even to, a one year deal. No, to me, like Dunlap or Melvin Ingram are very interesting to me. Or, honestly, I don't know why no one's talking about it, but um, Justin Houston would be a, a really solid pick, too. Justin Houston would be a good pick. Um, there's also some like decent defensive ends still out there. Like, the ones like we just Carrie Hyder. Yeah. yeah. yeah Melvin no, Ingram's like, super well, decent. But ones who are going to be even cheaper. Yeah. You know? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they – kind of viewed Tack McKinley as um, a, a borderline starter, and then they brought in another borderline starter and felt like they, for real cheap, solved the position. Yeah. There are options. There are a decent amount of options. I mean, there's there's a ton of cornerbacks out there. Um, aging Brian Poole, Quentin Dunbar. Is he signed yet? No. Yep. Yeah. I'm interested to see what we do to round things out and get a couple of like depth players because there's definitely going to be a few more defensive depth players that are signed. I would expect. I would really like a good. I would really like Melvin Ingram. That would that I would really like that. I want that. Give me that, please. Please give me. Please give me that, Sashi. Yeah, Sashi. Oops. Woo. Woo. Sashi gave us all this, actually. Um, this is all from his blood, sweat, and tears. Um, Andrew, 
Please give me Melvin. I mean, the Browns have, at the moment, according to over the cap, have about $13 million left in cap space for 2021. Well, and this and this is an interesting point that I wanted to talk about. Why do you think it's foreshadowing a future move that's in mind or just keeping flexibility open? Um, a lot of these deals that we've signed are maximizing our cap space this year. Um, cap space this year is, is uh, I mean, more valuable than it's ever been because there's um, the salary cap drops. Well, it's because right? of our big contracts so, coming up. Right, don't you? But think we don't like... need it. But we don't need salary cap space this year because what when yeah. we're preserving it for this year, it means that we're borrowing for next year. Basically, oh, you're saying like keeping as much of our options open this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I just wonder if that doesn't foreshadow um, this front office expecting there to be an opportunity to bring in um, maybe somebody who would take up a big chunk of cap space. Or you that, know, to it... me, that seems the only reason why we would we would not kind of just max out the cap this year. I mean, I think everybody, I would hope that they're thinking of the Browns as a Super Bowl contender in 2021 and 2022. And if you saw what the Super Bowl champions did last year, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they made improvements throughout the season to bolster their roster in adding players like Antonio Brown in adding players like Leonard Fournette throughout the season to just kind of take them over the top talent-wise. Those are the type of things you need to do over the course of an NFL season when you have injuries and you need to fill holes. And maintaining flexibility to do those sort of things, I think, is pretty important. And so I think that could definitely be part of it as well. Is there a limit? to how soon you can restructure a deal after it's been signed? Or just like a socially gauge? Like it's like a taboo thing that you don't do. Why because do you, like, why well, I mean, like if the, if the season plays out a certain way to where we actually don't like the deals that we have and we want to defer to later years, can we just restructure and be like, hey, uh, guy, do you want to make more this year and get paid less next year? Like, do you want more money per game? Um, and then that'll hit our cap hit this year as opposed to next, depending on how free agency goes. And they're just keeping their options open for free agency, giving themselves flexibility. And then I, I don't know that that's what they're doing. I don't, I've never seen anybody do that. I think but, what's more likely uh, is that as the players that are on our roster, like rookies that are coming up, so whether whatever that next deal is, it could be any of Baker Mayfield, um, Denzel. Denzel Ward, Wyatt no. Teller, you know, yeah. any of these players are going to get Nick Chubb. Could any of these players could get signed to a long term deal, and they'll choose to you know push whatever guaranteed money into this year. You know when that happens, I think I think that's a much more likely lever to pull. I don't think they would do anything with these deals they just signed right now. Why well, not? No speaking shame. Speaking of defensive ah. ends, speaking of defensive ends and cap space, though, how would you like to add Daniel Hunter? I would love it. Speaking of like jumping through hoops, that would be ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous to have those two dudes. And talk Sounds about being able, good. and we could keep this whole one year defensive tackle game going for a long time. If you've got Daniel Hunter and Miles Garrett on each end, you know, anybody would come and play in between those two dudes. It'd be expensive though. I mean, he's he's currently on a, a twelve million dollar a year deal, uh, reportedly wants more, um, and is unhappy with his current contract. You'd have to trade for him um, to get him away from the Vikings. So, between the draft pick compensation and then the the extension and raise, it would not come cheap. I'll wait for him to like uh, hold out and make the situation more toxic with the Vikings before. For making the move, pulling the trigger, cashing in. Um, um, I don't think that's a likely scenario, but man, oh man, would that be fun? I, it just seems so expensive, especially um, when compared to the the veteran options on the free agent market. That can be had for so much cheaper, right? Yeah. 
It's um, an odd time to be holding out and saying you you need to be paid more money under contract because nobody's getting paid. All right. Um, we're coming to a close. One last question before we wrap it up. Quick answers. Um, we, don't, we don't sign another free agent the rest of this offseason. First round of the draft, what position group are we picking? What would you like us to pick? If this is the team that we have rolling into 2021. I mean, best player available between corner or defensive line. Tackle or end? Yep. I mean, if Christian Barmore is there, you take him. If anybody else, that, there's no other defensive tackle you would take there. Matthew? I don't even I don't even know if you would take him. Um, I think it's going to be in the secondary. I do. I think it's safety or cornerback. Uh, we need another safety. Uh, I don't know. If you think about defensive end and what it would mean when you're starting to pay Miles Garrett, if you've got a defensive end that you feel good about that's there at 26 in developing and being a player that you can keep in that spot and at when you're paying Miles mm-hmm. Garrett top of the market to have that second guy there locked in for four or five years is huge. I I think that's a really likely possibility. And there's some depth to that position where at 26, there's like a whole group of players that I can see the draft playing out in a way where there's a player to the Browns like that they, um, that they would jump on in, in that spot. I mean, obviously Miles Garrett's making more money, but it depends on how they view Denzel. Cause it could, the, the exact same argument could be made if there's a cornerback that they really like to have there and be locked in. Cause greedy's never been that for us. Um, so if there's a cornerback or a secondary player there to go in alongside, if we're planning on signing Denzel for a long-term contract, I could see the same argument being made. But I personally, best available, obviously, is always the right decision, and that's an easy thing to say. But I, I would say I would say corner. What excluding excluding quarterback? Is there a position that you would be mad if we drafted? Obviously, like kicker and punter. In the uh, first round, tight end. Yeah, unless yeah. Uh, Kyle Pitts is there at twenty six, which would never happen. Yeah, and then just take Kyle Pitts and figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your tight end. There's a, <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, tight end would just make no sense from like yeah, uh, but you would standpoint. take Kyle Pitts, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah because and I'd get rid of Jarvis Landry in <laughs> play know. Kyle Pitts in the slot. <laughs> yeah. Well. Outfits is so much faster than Jarvis Landry. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, other position that I would be mad about. Um, I think like off running the, back. Off the line. Yeah, running yeah, back, running, I'd be pretty yeah, pissed about. I'd be pretty pissed about running back. I mean, I, I would actually be a little bit upset if we drafted a wide receiver in the first round. I would not. I don't. I mean, like if we, I would have to be there in that situation and see who it was. But. There will be really good wide receivers available for the Browns at that spot if they want to go that route. In fact, it would necessitate a trade. The, there's you. We couldn't do it. We couldn't take a wide receiver like in the first 20, round and for, not for, trade any of our big name wide receivers. For next year, it would make no sense at all, and it would make the Cleveland Browns zero percent better. When there are there are position groups in a year that we are hoping to make a Super Bowl run where we could draft a position that would make the Cleveland Browns better. Long-term, I see what you're saying. And I I, I can understand, but I, I would be upset if we drafted a wide receiver. I would not. I would not be upset if we drafted a wide receiver and then traded Jarvis Landry and got some return. That would be fantastic. That would be ideal. Um. It'll be interesting to see where we go, though, because um, we were talking about signing a veteran DN. I don't think we can sign a veteran DN and draft an edge player. That room gets really crowded. Yeah. I think we can. I mean, I it depends I mean, on the deal. I don't think it's a one-year deal. Port Augustine, you know, like I think there's a lot of different ways. And if it's a one-year deal, it doesn't matter for the veteran DN on a one-year deal. If you're signing him at low market value because it's a one-year deal. The Browns are going to draft a defensive end. I don't know. 
There, I mean, there's going to be guys. Uh, there's going to be crowded position rooms. Like, I think I would the, be kind of. I think I would be kind of pissed if we drafted a guard in the first round. I, I just like not re- like there. Generally, I'm always for <laughs> offensive line, but like I just that wouldn't make that wouldn't really get my engine revving if we drafted a guard or a center. They won't. Yeah, it wouldn't make us any better. <laughs> and, that's like, for sure. We're good there. They will not. Not at not at the first round. Uh, so. Tackle is probably the same thing, unless there was. It's pretty weird to not have a bunch of, like, true needs. That's why it's, like, pretty obvious it seems like it's going to be either a corner or a defensive end. Um, Because those are the positions that have the most question marks at the moment. And even if we have, you know, players filling out the roster spots right now, you want to give as many options as you can. I'm just thinking about the original question. Could you imagine how bad it would be if we drafted a quarterback in the first round? Just the carnage that would ensue. Like our team like would, Mac Jones. Our team Mac would, Jones. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> Mac Jones and Baker Mayfield. Like <laughs> Our team would fall incredible. apart from the inside out. It'd be incredible. It's oh, like Browns of old. That's hilarious. Um, all right. Well, that was encouraging. That was an encouraging thought experiment. Um, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Um, cause we're going to keep doing it. Um, we, uh, also have a Twitter. If you want to follow us at sin of our fathers, or if you want to send us an email and there's something you would like us to talk about, we'd appreciate that too. At sin of our fathers at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We appreciate you. Bye. Go Browns. Go Browns.